0: We thank you for listening to the recordings found on our website. We have planned for this recording a Bible study in Romans chapter 3. I want to ask you to have your Bible open in the New Testament to the book of Romans. Together, we're going to discover how simple Paul's argument is in Romans chapter 3 about man's problem and God's solution. Romans chapter 3, man's problem and God's solution. About the book of Romans, Paul wanted to be certain the Christians there knew the simple truth about God's plan of salvation, especially as it related to the unity of Jews and Gentiles together on the same terms, recipients of God's grace through the blood of Christ. Part of Paul's written journey to that theme was to review the simple truth that the gospel of Christ is the remedy for man's sin. In these opening chapters, Paul makes certain every reader understands the human problem is sin. He details that in chapter 1, and then he addresses any denials of it on the part of the Jews in chapter 2. In chapter 3 and 4, Paul makes the transition from our problem to God's solution, and I want us to see that here in Romans chapter 3. It is important for us in terms of our knowledge, and when we speak to others of the gospel of Christ, This needs emphasis. Man has a problem. God has a solution. Romans chapter 3. As the chapter begins, Paul questions his Jewish readers. Then what advantage has the Jew, or what is the value of circumcision? Paul, in raising this question, is anticipating an objection from Jews who may have thought Paul in his assignment of guilt to Jews was dismissing the value of being a Jew. The objection would sound something like this. Paul has said, we who are Jews are guilty of sin. So if that's true, then what is the advantage or value of being a Jew? Well, Paul answers in verse 2, much in every way, to begin with, The Jews were entrusted with the oracles of God. Paul is saying, for one thing, you were given God's law, the oracles of God. That's no small thing. So Paul wants to be understood. In affirming the problem of sin and its guilt, Paul was not arguing against their nationality, nor was he dismissing their role in God's plan. He continues, verse 3. What if some were unfaithful? Does their faithlessness nullify the faithfulness of God? The unfaithfulness of the Jewish people was evidence of their sin. It was not evidence of anything against God, and did not nullify His promises to send a Savior. There is such an important point here in these words I'm going to put it this way and ask you to think of it. No matter how men act, how unfaithful and guilty men and women on earth are, regardless of their race or nationality or background, God is always right, always perfect, never unfaithful. To this, Paul adds a quotation from Psalms. So verse 4 reads, By no means... Let God be true, though every one were a liar, as it is written that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. God's faithfulness, his justice prevails and is in contrast to the unfaithfulness of man. This is how Paul begins Romans 3. And I hope your Bible is open and you see that in these words. This is part of Paul's affirmation of man's problem, and the Jewish people were not exempt. Move down now to verses 5 through 8, Romans 3, 5 through 8. It reads, But if our unrighteousness serves to show the righteousness of God, what shall we say? that God is unrighteous to inflict wrath on us, I speak in a human way, by no means. For then how could God judge the world? But if through my lie God's truth abounds to his glory, why am I still being condemned as a sinner? And why not do evil that good may come? As some people slanderously charge us with saying, their condemnation is just. Paul is anticipating objections. He's raising questions he knew people were raising, and he condemns the line of thought that's contained or embedded in those questions, those objections. Paul has claimed that God is always right. Men and women in this context, Jewish men and women, may be unfaithful to God, though they had his oracles, But God is never unfaithful. His judgments are always right. But, verse 5 says, See, Paul knows what the counter-arguments would be, and so he states them and answers them. God cannot be blamed for being right in his judgments. Apparently, there was a trend or an ill-conceived idea that the unrighteousness of man was not guilt-worthy since it advertised God's righteousness. Can you imagine making such an argument to justify your sin? Would you ever say, well, I know that I'm a sinner, but it just shows how good and right God is. Perhaps I should just go ahead and do evil that good may come. The Apostle Paul condemns that kind of absurd thinking. Here's what I think Paul is doing here in these opening verses In Romans chapter 3, he is stripping away long-held layers of delusion to pave the way to his conclusion that no matter what arguments men might make, all have sinned. He knew the common objections and arguments. He states those arguments and responds to pave the way to his conclusion that all have sinned. Jew or Gentile. Listen to verses 9 through 18. Romans 3 9 through 18. What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now remember what this is all about. There is man's problem and God's remedy. And this passage goes to man's problem. Here is how plain this is. All, both, Jews and Greeks, are under sin. How many perfect people do you find in verses 9 through 18. The paragraph we have just read that you have, I hope, before you on the page in your Bible, how many perfect people do you find in verses 9 through 18? Sure, the Old Testament is a book where you can find good people, but were any perfect, having earned by their good conduct the favor of God, absent any judgment... Phrase after phrase here in Romans 3 makes Paul's case that all have sinned. No one seeks for God, all have turned aside, worthless, no one does good, throats like open graves, tongues that deceive, feet that are swift to shed blood, no fear of God before their eyes. Paul is repeating over and over Man has a problem. We've already charged that all. Both Jews and Greeks are under sin, Paul said. The evidence is so clear-cut, here's how Paul continues in verses 19 and 20. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. There is Paul's clarity here. When he says the whole world, when he says accountable to God, and when he says knowledge of sin, let me pause here to observe, since the time of Adam and Eve's transgression, there has been this human problem it is the problem today. What problem do you see today in our world that isn't in this serious category? Not political opinion or personal preference. What moral issues, what corruption, what violence, what perversion, what human ruin do you see today that isn't in this category of sin? Abortion, violence, homosexuality, related gender confusion, false religion, corrupt leaders, drunkenness, dishonesty, greed, selfishness, bad attitudes. What Paul wrote is today's reality, so that every mouth may be stopped. The whole world is accountable to God. The problem in the human race is sin ignoring and defying the will of our Creator. This is the bad news, and once we read this and learn this, as painful and tough as it may be, we have to make it personal. I read this and must ask myself, have I ever sinned, done anything wrong, a lie, a hostile word, a wrong attitude, any negligence in obedience to God? See, See, it is almost comforting to direct the guilt to the world and think of all this as a universal problem rather than my problem, your problem. The world needs a Savior, and you know what that means? I need a Savior. You need a Savior. So still in Romans chapter 3, where at verse 21, Paul gives clear voice to the God given remedy. 21 to 31, Romans 3. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned it was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By law of works? No, but by law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law? Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one. Who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith? Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. The law and the prophets, the Old Testament, bear witness to the gospel of Christ, which announces the way to be right with God is through faith in Jesus Christ. And this is for anyone, anybody, no matter their genealogy, Jew or Gentile, whatever family you were born into, wherever that was geographically, just as all have sinned, the gospel is an offer from God To all, there is no distinction. Now consider, when your faith in Christ is activated in obedience to Him, you cannot, you must not say, look at me, I did this. See how great I am. No. All you did was answer the call, receive a gift, submitting to the condition to repent and be baptized as later described by Paul in Romans chapter 6. The problem is all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The solution, the remedy is to hear the good news of Christ and obey Him, and that is called the righteousness of God through faith in Christ. This is not some sort of superficial religion that involves visiting a building once a week, This is not restoring the law of Moses. This is not just getting wet. This is what people who, when their heart is convicted with sin, do. They believe in Christ and respond, and there is no distinction. Just as all have sinned, the offer goes out to all, Jew and Gentile. In Mark Robert's book on Romans, there is this helpful observation. By the end of the chapter, Paul has leveled the ground at the foot of the cross. At the foot of the cross, everyone is equal. We all are standing there watching the Son of God die for our sins. When everyone's eyes are on Jesus, the arguments, bickering, and differences don't seem important anymore. Indeed, they become what they are foolishness that distracts us from serving the one who died for us. After this recording is completed, I want to highly recommend that you read Romans chapter 3 with a view toward your own condition before God. Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you come to terms with exactly what the Bible says about the bad news and the good news? question yourself, make certain, then share this message with others. Contact us if we can help. We are the Laurel Heights Church of Christ, McAllen, Texas. Thank you.